Good morning and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Lance Roberts. It's the Labor Day edition of the show. We've got a really, really big show for you today here and uh, going over some of our best of topics over the last week or so. Be sure and click on our like button if you're watching our video live stream right now and get by our website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Subscribe to our daily market commentary. We deliver it right to your email inbox every morning at 7.30 before the market opens. And of course, get our latest newsletter, podcast, articles, and more. It's all at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. And with that said, let's get to the show. So Bitcoin as a savings vehicle, it's kind of an interesting uh, thought, but a Missouri mayor has a new proposal that he wants to do. There's 1,500 citizens in his, uh, in, in the, he's the mayor of Cool Valley. Cool. So cool. Cool Valley, Missouri, 1,500 residents. So the mayor of this town has, has this idea that he wants to give each resident of Cool County Bitcoin. And he's going to give them $1,500 worth of Bitcoin. And the goal is that they have to hold on to this Bitcoin for five years. So kind of an interesting approach to this, right? So I'm going to, so, you know, the government here giving out money to people, right? That's, that's become kind of a new thing. Let's give everybody some money. So the goal is, is to give all the residents of Cool County some money, but they can't sell it for five years. So kind of like an employee stock option plan, they've got to vest into it, right? So you get it, you just can't spend it. So it doesn't really help the economy very much. And we'll get into how he's going to pay for this in a second. But <laughs> here's the idea. I'm just going to read from the article because you can't make this kind of stuff up. I have some very supportive donors. We have agreed to match any money that I raise, being the government, um, up to several millions of dollars. And this was from the mayor of Cool County, Cool Valley, sorry. I'm trying to get a few government funds. Let me say that again. I'm trying to get a few government funds as well to go along with that or potentially some of the relief money that comes from the COVID relief. So basically what you want to do is divert money that was from COVID and you want to take money out of your county's government funding that's paid by taxpayers and give it back to them, right? Because this is all taxpayer money, COVID relief funds, government funds. That's all taxpayer money. So, okay, you're basically going to refund taxes you've already collected back to individuals, and you're going to give it to them in Bitcoin. But they can't sell it for five years. So what's the thought on this? Well, he's got a thought on that. He says, source of the funding aside, of course, uh, Stewart said the generous Bitcoin handout will come with some strings attached because he doesn't want residents to sell it for a few years. Here's his quote. We're putting in place like a vesting schedule for Bitcoin. The idea is that maybe you don't touch it for five years before you really get full access to it. We're working on ideas like that because my number one concern, someone just sells their Bitcoin to pay for their car note, right? So I give them the money back, they turn around, they spend it. Okay, that's kind of the whole point of giving people money so they spend it and support the economy. But he's like, I don't want them to do that. I want them to save it. Well, he says, and went bit... <laughs> And when Bitcoin is sitting at like 500,000, now remember, Bitcoin's only at 50,000 today, roughly 48,000 and change this morning. 
So, and when Bitcoin is sitting at like 500,000 in a few years, they're really going to regret that they sold the money early. So his idea, kind of a Bitcoin believer here that, you know, if he just gives everybody some taxpayer money back, that in a few years in Bitcoin, it's 500,000. Now, look, I, that's, that's great, right? If you want to do that with your county taxpayer dollars and your, and your county, the people that voted for you is fine with it, go for it, right? So you're going to give people 1500 bucks and they're going to put it in Bitcoin and, and then Five years when Bitcoin's a million. Let's just pick a number out of your out of your hat, right? So, just call it a million. <laughs> then people are gonna have a lot of money, right? They're gonna be and 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 what drove this idea? And here and here's really the interesting thing that kind of drove this idea. Here's his quote: "I have friends whose lives have been completely changed, like going from working a regular nine to five job to being worth $80 million in a matter of just a few years. That's true. That happened for a few people that bought Bitcoin very early on when it was, you know, under $10. And it went nowhere for years. And that's fine. The problem is there's a huge difference from a virtual you know, investment like Bitcoin is the example, going from a few cents to $10,000 and the multiplier effect of those rates of return, that's how, you, that's how you get to be an 80, you know, make $80 million, right? You're going from a few cents to 10 or 20 or 30, or in this case, $40,000. The multiplier effect, the, the, the compounding effect of that rate of change is huge, right? To go from a dollar to $40,000 is a huge rate of change. To go from 40,000 to $80,000 is only 100% return, right? So you double your money at 80. To go so let's just say 50,000, that's great. I give people money at 50,000, it goes to 500,000, great. I've got, you know, a 500, you know, a 1000% return on. It. That's awesome. Right? But that's a far different cry than going from a dollar to 40,000. So, you know, it's the the exponential growth of what made his friends wealthy is not likely to happen realistically um, going forward. Now, again, it's, it's, you know, anything can happen, right? <laughs> we can talk about anything can happen. But the one thing that we don't talk about is what happens if it doesn't work out that way? What if in five years, Bitcoin's worth $25,000? Right. And then so all this money that you gave people that they've been locked up on for for five years to, to get to is now worth half of what you gave them. That's not really going to go well for your reelection. So there's there's a risk, you know, for the for for this being done. But the idea is but this all goes back to this idea that we've talked about originally, which is modern monetary theory. Right. Which is where we use government money to give people money in order to create consumption or to do whatever you want to do. The, the problem, as always is the case, is what do you do next, right? Because all we're doing is recycling tax dollars. We're not creating more money, right? We're not creating any new jobs because they can't spend it, right? So I'm going to give them the money. That's fine, but they can't spend it for five years. So I'm not going to create any immediate consumption or demand. So I'm going to take taxpayer-funded dollars 
that were meant that was meant to go or be slotted for COVID relief, immediate spending needs, right? Or tax dollars that were meant for repairing roads and bridges and doing infrastructure for the city, et cetera. And we're going to tie that money up for five years that belong to taxpayers to begin with on a regular, uh, uh, on a rather speculative investment on top of that. So it, but it's kind of just an interesting shift, right? The, the idea is, well, look, I don't have any problem with his idea, right? He wants to try to help the citizens of this very small county build some wealth. I think that's a very noble idea. I think that's great. Is it the best way to approach it? Maybe, maybe not. If you're a big Bitcoin believer and you think that Bitcoin is, is going to go to the moon, then you probably think that that's a great idea. Full disclosure, I own some Bitcoin. So maybe you think that's a great idea. The risk is that it doesn't. So, you know, and I guess the real question is, is, is there a better way as we look at the economy that we're in today, are the approaches we're taking using debt and taxpayer-funded dollars to try to give people money, is there a better way to approach this? Should we not be looking at using taxpayer dollars to create apprenticeship programs to teach people to do skilled labor? Welding, construction, auto mechanics, these type of things. Plumbing. These are things, these are skill sets that people need every day. And, and you know, the thing about these particular skill sets, I can't automate a plumber. When, when, when your pipe breaks in your house, can't really send a robot over to fix your house, right? Your plumbing. There are some things that just need to be done by humans. You know, construction is becoming automated. They've got automated bricklayers and, and all kinds of things going on with robots now in construction. But there's still some elements of construction that can't be done by robots just yet. So should we be spending money creating apprenticeship programs for these skilled labor jobs? Because that's one of the biggest complaints of manufacturers is lack of skilled labor. Kids don't want to do it. Kids are all going to college now to get psychology degrees and, and degrees in, you know, human sciences and, you know, you know, other things that don't fit into the manufacturing sector of the economy. So should we be promoting and providing for individuals saying, hey, look, if you want to become a skilled laborer, which we vastly need in this country right now, that's where a good use of taxpayer money may go to rather than just giving people money to spend this month. You know, using taxpayer dollars to build a better future. But these are the things that we don't think about because whether it's a mayor or whether it's a governor of a state or whether it's a House congressman or a, a senator those have limited terms and they're always up for re-election. And so if I want to get re-elected, I've got to do something now to make people feel better about me, right? Because I want you, I want your vote. So we pin, we tend to do things that are the most expedient, but not, not necessarily the most productive in terms of use of money. We'll see how this works out. It'll be interesting if you can get this put together. We'll keep we'll we'll follow this story down the road. 
All right, be back after the break. Um, look, a couple of things going on here. Following the Fed meeting on Friday, what does this mean for the markets going forward? I want to get a little bit more into what the Fed actually said this morning and what that may mean for markets as we start getting into next year. And really, more importantly, is the Fed about to make another monetary policy mistake? Don't go away. A city in Missouri is also talking about giving their 1,500 citizens Bitcoin that they have to hold on to for five years uh, using, you know, <laughs> government funds to give them the money. So kind of an interesting, uh, you know, move. We're seeing a lot of people trying to move in that direction to try to use Bitcoin as an experiment, one, you know, one form or another. Um, so what's your thoughts on that? Well, there's got to be a better way to do this. I mean, I, I, obviously the guy there probably has a, a pretty handy a large investment in Bitcoin, I would assume. So, mm -hmm. hey, what better way? Give government money to everybody so that they have to invest in it too. Right. Um, you know, you, you create that that demand for it automatically. So pretty genius on his part. But this this with El Salvador, they're actually making it the national currency, which is going to pose some significant issues, especially with, you know, the potential price swings that we've seen mm -hmm. in Bitcoin. This can can be a big problem for El Salvador and their debt. If you look at the country, you know, they they have about 26 billion in GDP. They're actually been in talks with IMF to take another distribution from the IMF funds, so International Monetary Fund. And they didn't tell them that they're going to make Bitcoin part of their national currency. Oh, probably a big deal here. Yeah. I don't know. You know, you, you would think that it's something that you would tell somebody as you're going to get a loan. Right. But we know these loans are probably never going to be paid back. So what does it matter? Right. Um, but the the bigger part here is they're actually they've created an app called Chivo and they're, they want to give all El Salvadorians. They want to give them $30 equivalent of, of U.S. dollars. So mm -hmm. they're going to be able to go out. They're going to be able to spend money on this app. Um, but they don't have the infrastructure for it. So the electricity aspect that it actually takes for this. So they're looking and hoping that this also sparks foreign investment. They want to be able to figure out how to um, harness the power of volcanoes. Seriously, Lance. Uh, geothermal so you geothermal anybody, energy. It's, it's, it's a thing. So... So they need, it, they need foreign investment here. So any foreign investors out there that are looking for a great investment, this could be your place. Jump in here in El Salvador. Um, you know, this is a place to put some money now, Lance. What, what could possibly go wrong, right? I mean, it's not like, you know, the, the country has been rife with, you know, graft and everything else for, you know, decades. But other than that, it's all good. Um, well, yeah, this will not be a, a, a safe haven for money laundering for anything else of <laughs> no, that nature. You know, we're going to set happen. up and facilitate it all. Don't worry. Just come here. Exactly. Yeah, it would never be the case. Um, you know, speaking of uh, Ponzi schemes, Let's get to Social Security here real quick. Uh, the Social Security Trust Fund has, I'm reading, I'm reading this uh, headline here. Uh, the 2021 trustees report shows that trust funds will now run dry in 2034 as a result of the uh, economic fallout from the pandemic. Now, it's an interesting statement that right now they're looking at a shortfall in Social Security because of what's happening, you know, with basically the number of people getting laid off. They weren't obviously paying into Social Security, et cetera. However... On top of that, um, you are now one uh, have a government that wants to massively expand the dependency on Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security through the expansion of things like uh, you know social benefits, the social welfare net. Um, so these things are already underfunded, and now you're going to increase further demand 
on those programs by this expansion of the social welfare net, which will just make them, you know, run out of money sooner, unless you start to seriously talk about reformation of these programs in some form. I mean, you're talking roughly about $170 trillion unfunded liability for these programs going forward. And the the way these get funded um, is through payroll taxes, right? So when you get paid, you pay, you, you pay your income tax, you pay your Medicare, your Medicaid, yeah, all that. So either we've got to get more people into the labor force, which that hasn't happened in two decades, or or you're going to have to massively increase that 6.2% to 10%, 12%, 15% tax, or you're going to have to seriously talk about raising the age and the requirements of drawing into these programs. In other words, starting to eliminate some of these programs that people are on and starting to shift more of the funds towards the programs for actual, you know, retirement, which is what they were meant for previously. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Well, my, my thoughts are that they're going to start to increase that that rate as far as what you know, what amount do they tax up to? Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be you can remember back it was like 106,000. They moved to 113. Now we're in the 140 thousand dollar range, and it'll continue to increase as far as what that income level that they'll tax. Um, I do believe that that's going to have to happen. You know, there were talks last year of making that income range actually stop where it currently is, and then they're going to start again once your income reaches 300,000. Um, I think that that's going to fall a little bit short of what's actually needed. Look, there's going to need to be some major reform. We've known there's problems. Um, they've also set some precedent, Lance. Um, you know, they've bailed out some big public pension mm-hmm. funds over the last year. And if they, they're doing that, or private pension funds, excuse me, yep. they're going to have to come in and bail out the largest public fund. There's no, there's no doubt about it. But there's going to have to be changes along the way. You know, you're going to see the headlines overnight. I mean, that's all I saw was every major headline was Social Security is going to run out sooner than expected. We've known this. It's gone. It's kind of gone back and forth from 2034 to 2035. That doesn't mean it's going to go away completely. That means that there would be a reduction in benefits. Now, good news is we have some time to fix it. The bad news is that no politician wants to do it. And they're going to continue to kick this can down the road. If they would work on this now, we would see some changes, and, and, and this would be beneficial, right? Uh, there is a problem with immigration. They're also projecting that there's there's less children going to be born this year. Imagine that, um, just like we saw last year with the pandemic. And so this is a problem that's going to continue. And the only way to fix this is to do the, a couple things like you mentioned. One, it's going to be to raise that 6.2% to something higher, which nobody wants to see. Um, and so that's where— That's, that's you know, not we electable, talk, by the way. That That's right, and, and that that's not— your tax bracket. This is on top of what your your income taxes are. Yep. And so this is one of those things we talk about with stealth taxes that people are going to to see regardless of income taxes. This is something that they're going to hit you with. And so it may not be that they say, hey, we're going to keep these numbers right where they are. But what we're going to do is we're going to increase that from 6.2 to 8.2 or whatever that number may be. And so you're going to see a reduction in your paycheck as far as what you're taking home. That's something that can occur. We could also see them raise the full retirement age, just like they did back in the 80s from 66 to 67. You know, if you were born between 55 and 59, they increased your full retirement age by two months. Mm -hmm. That's something that we could see. I suspect you'll probably see a little bit of both, Lance. You're going to see, you know, I think it's probably a three-pronged approach here. You're going to raise that 6.2%. You're going to tax more money, so more income. And I think that you're also going to see them raise that retirement age at some point. Raising the retirement age may be the most difficult part of all of those because a lot of people aren't going to pay attention to the rest of it. It's going to be minimal. You'll see it come through, and your paycheck may fluctuate a little bit. But 
none of it is is very electable, which is why they haven't done anything as of yet. Right. Well, and again, there's just a, there's just you know there's so many different problems that you know have come along because of this. You know, when we established Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid originally. It was for a specific group of people. Then we keep expanding the program, putting more people on it. Just a good example: these Af- the, these Afghan refugees that we're bringing in now, you know, and these are these are great people. You know, they helped they helped us while we were in Afghanistan. They gave us intelligence, and I have no problem bringing them here and giving them harbor. But though that's a hundred and some odd thousand individuals that are now going to be tapping into these welfare programs. Not that, and again, don't don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. All I'm saying is is that these things have happened where we're getting more and more people into a system and we've got fewer and fewer people contributing to it. And and we've talked about before, you know, demographics are destiny. And to your point, we've had we've got the lowest birth rate, not and not just because of the pandemic. We've had the lowest birth rate in the US for years now since, you know, World War II. And that birth rate continues to climb. More people are opting not to have kids. Um, social choices, right? Um, we're, we're making choices now um, socially that certain, certain types of relationships are, are fine, but they don't produce children. And those have impacts. You know, we look at China as a good example. Of this. China had a one-child policy for decades, and it almost devastated the country before they had to turn that around very rapidly and start promoting to have more children because demographics are very important. And if we make choices that limit our birth rate, it has an impact on our economy. We have to either have more children born naturally or we have to immigrate. And we have to. And, and immigration doesn't mean just open up your border and bring everybody across the border. You have to have the right type of immigration, right? You need to immigrate people that immediately start contributing to the system. Don't come in and start immediately drawing from the system. That that amplifies the problem. And so these are the things that, you know, that are going to have to be considered at some point. But these are all things that are politically unelectable. Nobody wants to talk about these issues. They don't want to elect these issues. Um, they certainly don't want to run on a platform of this issue because as soon as you talk about having to reform Social Security, uh, you know, all the boomers go, well, you're not taking away my Social Security. <laughs> I'm not voting for you. So, you know, this is why we wind up doing nothing about it. Uh, you know, and unfortunately, that'll be a this will be the case ultimately until something breaks and then we're forced to do something about it all at once. Well, that's right. And I, I do think that everybody thinks it's going to impact them right away. If nothing is done, everyone will be impacted. Right. If they make these changes, there's going to be a, a, a part of the population that's not going to have any impact whatsoever. You're going to go on business as usual. Mm-hmm. They're not going to make somebody who's 60 years old or, or, or even in your 50s completely derail your Social Security and say, oh, by the way, you're going to now have to wait another couple of years right. before you can get it. Or we're going to give you this big reduction. Correct. So it's going to be like, like Lance, you're going to be fine. You just can't take it till 85. But everybody else, like me, I'm, I'm probably going to have a significant change that I'm going to have to deal with if I'm going to expect to rely on Social Security for some income. Yeah, Danny just kicked my retirement down the road again. Again. Yeah, I think it keeps getting longer know, and longer. Right? So, Lance, you can retire at 105. You're in good shape. You'll live forever. <laughs> All hey, right. diet desk plan. Be right back after the break. Go going. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back this morning. The Real Investment Show. I'm your host, Lance Roberts. Quick um, 
quick little sideline here. I've got Michael Leewood showing me this morning. Headline on Fox News right now, San Francisco is about to start a new social program. I don't know if you've read about this, Mike, yet. They're going to offer out $300 for each of their residents that are what they consider high risk. Now, what's a high risk resident? A high risk resident is somebody who goes out and shoots other people. So the whole point of this program is if you will promise not to shoot somebody, we will give you $300 a month or and in particular, don't get shot. So you can get $300 a month not to shoot people and not to get shot. And you get an extra $200 a month if you actually go apply for a job. <laughs> so, or can you stab? But you can still stab people, right? Well, no, no. You're not supposed to commit violence. This is the whole okay. point, right? But, but <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, what could possibly go wrong with this? I'm sitting at home. I'm not making any money. And I'm a good person. All I got to do is go out and shoot somebody. And then all of a sudden, I get an extra 300 bucks a month. I mean, what could go wrong with this whole program, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, San Francisco is a beautiful city and they have just destroyed that city over the last few years with a lot of the policies that they've been imposing and, you know, massive homelessness in the city, you know, drug problems. And now you're paying people not to shoot people. I don't know how this event, I think this is going to be one of those experiments we look back at in history and go, that was probably not a good idea. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm actually writing, writing up an article on rent on right. rent in the US. And Oakland and San Francisco have their rents have come down and they're slowly recovering. Every other city, major city and, and you know, lesser cities in the United States have come back sharply. Well, it, the, the question is, is the rents come down for economic reasons or because nobody wants to rent there? Well, I think I think it's you know they came down because of COVID and people right. wanted to get out of the cities, but they're not recovering like they are everywhere else because people don't want to go back. You know, <laughs> they don't want to go back, and you know you it's it's you hear all kinds of stories about San Francisco with the homeless problem and and all kinds of issues that you're right. It's it's such a beautiful city. I love yeah. that city. But they have really ruined it over the last 20 years. Yeah, I know. And it's a shame because it is, it's a, like I said, it's actually a, you know, a gorgeous city. It's great restaurants and used to be anyway. Haven't been there in a few years, but um, it, was, it was a great place to visit. Um, just don't want to live there. You know, this is, but, you know, to, but this is kind of all part and parcel. Again, you know, you know what we talk about that is kind of a one-off here. It's, it's really kind of part and parcel of, of this whole kind of trend of, you know, social change that we've seen across the country and you know we were talking about modern monetary theory here a second ago just for the break and you know the whole premise of that is is oh we can just run massive debts and deficits and it's completely okay because we're giving money to the population you know yes that's true but recycling tax dollars is non-productive you know you're just taking from one group to give to another group and, and form i'm taxing one group giving it to another group and that sounds great right we're going to tax the rich give it to the poor that's awesome except the fact that when you do that ultimately inflation goes up as we're seeing in the latest version of this experiment and that actually is a bigger tax on the poor than actually just raising income taxes on them because right, they right. spend so much of their income just trying to make ends meet and pay for you know to pay for living costs right rent food gas you know all the things we don't count in, in inflation <laughs> you know it's a big it's a big tax on them and so 
you actually don't wind up helping anybody through deficits and you don't wind up helping you know people by giving them money you actually make things worse right right it's a huge wealth inequality problem that the fed is fostering that they're boosting the fed just had a paper on this they 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 know it's going on mm -hmm. they they the the, head, the headliners don't admit it, but the researchers have pointed this out time and time again. We've pointed it out that it's not just free money. You can't just do QE and it's free. It's having a big effect on wealth inequality, which has a big effect on social inequality, which, and it's causing problems right, in this, this country. Is, this, and this is the huge irony of all this, right? I mean, I, I mentioned this the other day in a tweet. I said, you know, the, the Federal Reserve is concerned about inequality. You know, this is the same thing as your as your local crack dealer standing on the corner with a T-shirt that says "Just say no to drugs." I mean, they're responsible. Direct, there is a direct responsibility on the Fed for wealth inequality. They have they have fostered the ability for banks to do massive share buybacks, etc., which benefit the insiders and does not return capital to shareholders. That's a huge myth. You know, we, we've, you know, created a wealth disparity. The top 10% of the economy owns 90% of the asset markets. You know, the bottom 90% are just struggling to get by and make ends meet. You know, they're, everything they do is directly responsible for this wealth inequality, and now they're concerned about it? Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, everything is a farce, right? Yeah. It, it's interesting. AOC and there's a few others are telling Biden they don't want Powell anymore because he's not green enough. Well, Powell can what be green. What does the Fed have to do with climate change? Well, well, how about this? If the Fed raises rates to 5%, the economy will slow. People will use less fossil fuels. And there's your green. We'll, right. we'll be very green, right? But the second that Powell even talks about or thinks about talking about raising rates, AOC is going to go crazy. Right. Right. Uh, You're taxing just, out the little people. They the, don't understand. Yeah. They, they really don't. And I don't think they want to understand. No. Because the truth would crush everything they've said. Well, and it's, look, there's there's a huge difference between you know headlines and sound bites and getting reelected than there is actually solving the economic problems in the country. And look, and 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 look, for most people listening to this show, right, the majority of people that listen to a financial talk show, they have money invested, and that's what they're concerned about. So there, congratulations, by the way, if you have more than $500,000, you're like in the top 5% of the country in terms of wealth, right? I mean, that's pretty amazing. You know, we, we think about the, you know, the top 10% being guys like Bezos and Gates and Buffett. No, no, no. Those are in the top one-tenth of one-tenth of 1%. It's a very small fraction of the economy that has that kind of wealth. The top 10% have $10 million or less, Right. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. You don't have to have much money to be in the top 10 percent of income earners and wealth savers in this economy. If you've got money invested in the markets, it pretty much shoves you into the top 10 percent very quickly. So, again, you know, if you're listening to the show, you're like, well, this doesn't make any sense because, you know, I've I'm, you know, this is I'm doing fine. You're not the other 90 percent of the economy that is struggling to make ends meet. And, you know, we publish this chart on a regular basis showing the income, the gap between incomes and cost of living. And the average person has to go into debt about four thousand dollars a year just to maintain their living. And this is why debt keeps going up in terms of households. So, you know, when we talk about these things, yes, it may not be affecting you personally because you've got money invested. 
But for a lot of other people, they don't. And they're sitting there wondering why, you know, the cost of gas and food is, is going through the roof. And they don't understand what's causing it. They just know what's happening to them. And they just right. know that they can't make ends meet. And this is probably the hugest problem for the Fed and for politicians is inflation. Did you just and say the, hugest? Hugest. <laughs> the most huge problem. <laughs> I'm sorry. Me, nev resist. me never did good in school. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's the biggest problem it's the biggest problem lance yeah, I know. spell check got it <laughs> uh the problem facing both the fed and politicians is inflation yeah. because they don't have the answer for that oh, they have an answer for it you do don't it. want to hear it's well, higher rate it's no qe it's yeah. lower deficits that that's not going to fly you're gonna you know if, if you start running perpetual inflation and the fed can't do qe you're going to have 100 new senators and 500 plus new representatives because none of them are going to survive something like that. Right. Well, and that is really the big problem. You know, this the, and this is why we're coming up with things like modern monetary theory. Right. The reason we're coming up with these, you know, kind of totally irrational monetary theories is trying to justify what we're doing. Right. Because there's really isn't, a, you know, the real choice here. If you truly want to get back to stronger economic growth, equality across income ranges, et cetera, you need to start getting the economy back into functioning on a surplus, which right. is, and, and look, you didn't get in this problem overnight. You're not going to get out of this problem overnight. It's going to take time. And it's going to be painful in between, but you know, the stock market is going to have to be about half its value. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, interest rates are going to have to be higher and that was going to slow economic growth. And yes, there's going to be a change within the economy in terms of employment, participation, all these type of things. But ultimately, and you've got to let people go through the bankruptcy process, including corporations and banks. And and until that happens, that right. you're just creating more and more instability and, and more and more problems. Right. And the and and here's the problem with all of this. And this is the one thing that nobody wants to talk about. Nobody wants to think about it because it's not very good. But at some point, you have a choice. You can make changes now to start moving yourself in that direction, or eventually the economy is going to make that choice for you, and it's going to happen all at once. Right. And, and we're certainly heading in that the latter direction. Yeah. Well, this has been, but this has been the direction of every economy throughout history. England bankrupted itself. France bankrupted itself. Rome destroyed itself over these very issues. And you know, you can go back, you know, empire after empire after empire, civilization, you know, China bankrupted itself more than once doing the, the very similar stuff. So, you know, you're going to, to see the same problem occur. It's just a function of time because it's happened to every other country that's tried it. It's just it's just an eventuality of, of the direction we're headed on. We just don't want to admit it and we don't want to think about it because hopefully it'll just be the next guy's problem and not mine. Right. Exactly. Well, ending that show on a good note. Have a great and safe <laughs> Labor Day. How exactly. about that? <laughs> and like Mike said, enjoy your Labor Day. We'll be back tomorrow. Be sure and get by our website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Our daily market commentary is up and running. That's there for you. Talking about the ISM report, upcoming employment. It's all there for you. Uh, also, our latest blog post from Michael, myself, all on the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. And make sure you subscribe for our daily market commentary. We del deliver it to you every morning by 7.30 a.m. So you're ready for the market day. That's on our website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. We'll see you back here tomorrow. It's a rich world. It's a rich world.